Good morning, Rain Valley Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys, you guys doing good? Doing well? What's the proper grammatical way to say that? Good, well? I think it's well. Are you doing well today? That sounds too formal, though. Let me get this out here. Well, I hope you're excited to be here this morning with us. Um, I can tell you I'm excited, and I'll tell you why. Because today we are starting our first series uh, in our season that we're calling A New Season Together. Marine Valley Church has been built on a firm foundation. Uh, There has just been so many people who have faithfully said yes to the things and the activity God has called us to do uh, for generation after generation. And we get to stand on that firm foundation here together. But over the years, people change. And we've been so excited to see so many new faces here with us in the body. And even if you've been here for several years, you've been here your entire life, I think it's fair to say that we're not the same people today that we were years ago. And we're not the same people that they are today than we were even just a year ago. So right now, gathered in this room for such a time as this, we are the people that God is inviting to new things and do new things with. And I hope that you're excited. I hope that you're ready to roll up your sleeves and and put your hands to the activity that God has for us to be a part of. I believe that our families will be richer, our lives will be enriched, and together as we do this stuff together as a church, we're going to go closer with one another. New relationships are going to form. New people are going to come through these doors and experience the love of Jesus together because we said yes to these moments together. Um, and more than just an exterior change, we're, we're really praying for a sort of a, a DNA change to happen in, in, in each of us. Um, there's really uh, something exciting about the idea of new, right? I mean, we, we love the idea of new, so much so that studies have even shown that if you just put the word new on a product, it boosts sales, even if the product hasn't changed. How many of you guys have seen that in the grocery stores? It's like, great new look, same old taste. And you're like, okay, I'll buy it. It's, it's, it's a new package. That's exciting. We're just attracted and drawn to new things. There's something in the promise of new, but something is, uh, a few things are more discouraging than thinking you're going to get something new and having it be the, the same old thing. I might date myself with this illustration, but um, how many of you guys are gamers in here? Any, any, any people that play games, any video gamers here? I see some, see some hands going up, whether it's a PlayStation or Xbox. For me, it was the old school Nintendo Entertainment System. It was bringing an entire arcade to your house. Oh, it was awesome. And now, th- this was a great, and you, would, you, you didn't just get games all the time. Games came out very infrequently, and when they did, it was a big deal. They'd make a big announcement, and you couldn't download it to your device like a chump. You had to, like, actually get out on your bike and ride to the store, and you would pull all the change in your pocket, and you'd say, is this enough? And then they would hand you this video game that was the size of a brick, and you would walk it back home, and you'd put it back. It wouldn't work, so you'd... <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? you put it back in there get it to work. Now I remember one time there was this new game that I wanted so badly and I saved up my allowance for it and I finally got it and I went there and did the whole exchange. I came home and I plugged it in. Now for you that know Nintendo Entertainment System, I plugged in this brand new game. The package was new, the container was new, and as soon as the screen went on, I heard it was Super Mario Brothers. Now for those of you that know, that is the game that comes with the system. Now, on the outside, it was a brand new game. It was, it was a brand new box. Someone had actually bought it, swapped out the programming, and returned it. Now, of course, I was able to return it. But man, I was, it was such a letdown in that moment. Just because we have a new exterior 
and a new case and a new promise, a new slogan isn't going to change unless the programming and the inside changes with it. And as a church, what we're inviting ourselves in this new season is not just to, to put up a new phrase or to, to kind of do a rah-rah, but to really ask ourselves, together as a church, God, are you going to change our DNA? Are you going to work in us and, and bring new things in us uh, so that the outside and the inside match together? So hopefully you are on board with that as we talk about today's talk, which is going to be a better way. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we gather as a church we are praying that you'd help us to step into a better way with you. Thank you for this new season that you're inviting us into. But Lord, we know ultimately that's only something you can do for us. Well, we, can, we can put it on a slide and we can put it out there. But Lord, we are asking not just for a cosmetic change, but that you would do something in the internal programming of our lives. We confess that we are people that, whose lives quickly get out of source with the things that you're inviting us into. And so, Lord, will we hear your invitation loud and clear to step into a new season together so that the things that we do, that the activity that we do here changes our lives, changes our, our families' lives and our communities' lives, and even generations yet to be born from the things that we say yes to now. But that's your work, and that's for your glory. So would you please to do that in us, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. <clears throat> so this morning I want to talk about a better way. Um, and I want to ask you a question. Starting with the question, this is, what is the biggest enemy in your life to living the life that you want to live? What is the biggest enemy in your life that's keeping you from living the life that you want to live is the piano that went doom, doom, doom. That's good. <laughs> Give it up for Zach, by the way. He did a good job there. So. <clears throat> but what if, that's my ADD, I'm sorry, that's my fault. But what if... The life that you want to live, what is the biggest enemy from keeping you from living that life is the life that you're living now. Think about it. What are some of the ways that we live our lives right now that are actually, what if there's some ways in our lives that we're actually living right now that are working against the very things that God wants to build and produce in us? For those of us that have lived long enough and had a faith, we know that it's constant all the time. Our habits, our thought patterns, attitudes, emotions, insecurities, things that we listen to, is it possible to know Jesus, but have left other things creep in that keep us from experiencing all that he has for you and me? As we step into a new season, we want to start together as a church by hearing the invitation to a, a better way, and that is the way of Jesus. Some of us, for these concepts that we're going to hear this morning, aren't brand new. But what I'm hoping happens for us is that we can listen with ears attentive to the Holy Spirit as he's inviting us into those things and how to put our hands to those things in new <clears throat> and fresh ways. And what we're praying for is that together, if we can start to own this together, share in this with one another, great things are going to take place. How many of you know that the way that you do something matters? You could, you could do something, but if you do it in the wrong way, it can can ruin things, especially in our speech, right? We could say the right things, but if we say things like, Jesus loves you! Well, that might be in traffic, and that might not sound so great. The way we do something matters. Just because we're saying the right thing, if we don't do it in the right way, it can affect us. The same can be true for our faith. And how we go about living a life for Jesus is just as important as what we believe about Jesus. We can have ideas and beliefs about Jesus, but they need to translate into the way that we live for Jesus. In John 14, Jesus is in a meeting with his disciples, and it's the last time he's going to meet with them before going to the cross. And he says this in John 14, 6, after they ask him, he tells them, I'm going to go away, and I've prepared a place for you. 
I'm coming back for you, and I'll take you there. And, and they asked him, John, I'm sorry, Thomas asks, Lord, like, we don't know where you're going. And he says what everyone else is thinking, which I just love. And Jesus responds with this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when Jesus talks about the way, he is really literally talking about that he himself is the way to the Father. I think it's also fair to assume that when we often talk about um, the truth of Jesus, what Jesus taught, who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and those are all essential things. When we talk about those things, Jesus also showed us a way of living that was important for his disciples. It was the way that they lived their life that gave them the resiliency of faith that they needed. It was the things that created a foundation for this new revolutionary community called the church. And it was all built around the teachings and the way of Jesus. And it was how he lived. A little Bible trivia for you. And some of you I know know the answer to this. Um, but when you think of the first followers of Jesus, do you know what they were called? Now, if you know, don't shout it out. Um, but you can just kind of give yourself the extra nod to say, hey, I got it. But um, do you know what they were called? They weren't called Jesus followers. They weren't called Christians. They weren't called religious people. These spirit-filled, Jesus-loving Good news sharing, self-sacrifice, self-sacrificing followers of Jesus were known as people of the way. They were known by the way that they lived. They were called the people of the way because they lived differently. Their goal wasn't strictly right theology or strong morality, though very important, and we're not counting those out, but their goal was to live and love as Jesus lived and loved. And when I think about the way that Jesus lived and compare it to how so many of us in the world are living today, I think this way of Jesus becomes more and more relevant with each passing moment. <clears throat> think of it. Jesus, full of joy when most of us are full of stress. Jesus, who didn't worry, and some of us say that today is the most anxious times that any of us have lived in history. Jesus stopped for people when often we feel busy and distracted and can't even have a conversation sometimes with checking our phone, or our watch. Jesus was consumed with an ongoing fellowship with the Father. And if I'm honest, I have a hard time praying for three minutes without being distracted by my phone. Jesus grew deep in God's word. Now, and this is a pr profound thought, too, is that Jesus never had a physical Bible like we do. He had papyrus, he had paper, and he had to go to a synagogue to study the scriptures. And he knew the scriptures inside and out. And I have the scriptures on my phone. And I can hardly get through a streak of a Bible verse a day. Jesus loved his enemies. Even to the point of asking his father to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing while being crucified on a cross. And I struggle when someone's not driving fast enough. Just being honest. Jesus rose from a cross, gave his life for us. And I struggle sometimes getting out of bed on time. Can you, can you relate? The way of Jesus is just as relevant to us today as it was ever before. And that's just a half of it. In this new season together, we're asking us as a church to start to experience the way of Jesus and how we talk in our practices um, and in some of the things that we do in small groups and community and our prayer life and our time life so that we can experience the rich things uh, of Jesus so that we can know that he is the truth and the way together. We can experience that. So where do we start? Again, uh, for one, I think we can look at where Jesus called his first disciples in Matthew. 
This idea of being the way, I think, came and was birthed under this understanding that the church was a group of disciples, people that were apprentices, people that were training to be like Jesus. A lot of us know this information. Um, Matthew 4, 18 through 20, it'll be on the screen for you today, <clears throat> pardon me, it says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And here's the famous phrase that we're so often familiar with. He says, come, follow me, and I will make you, I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Many of you know this dramatic scene. We've shared it in Sunday school. We've heard it a lot in our lives, and we revisit it often here as a church. And there's a reason for that. Because this is the birthplace of discipleship. This was the moment when Jesus called his first followers to come and become revolutionaries, world changers through him. <clears throat> and I think um, it's all wrapped up, this moment is all wrapped up in, sorry. And I think wrapped up in this invitation is also in the way that he's calling us to live as disciples. And it starts with the phrase, come follow me. The phrase, come follow me, was well-known, and it was a well-known invitation of a rabbi. The Jewish people lived in a first-century uh, rabbinic community where the rabbi was the teacher of the day. Uh, similar to Socrates and Plato, um, discipleship was common, um, and there was main big teachers, and rabbis were like, the, like the, the, the greatest of the great. And to be invited by a rabbi was huge. And again, a lot of us know this. But this well-known acceptance speech of come follow me was given to some unlikely people. Um, they would often select who they would choose based on the, because at the end of the day, the disciples were supposed to carry on the work of the rabbi. So again, profound thoughts. The, the rabbis would say, come follow me to the people that they thought could do the work of the rabbi. For a rabbi, they spent and invested their entire life understanding scriptures and understanding how to live God's ways. And it was so important to them that if they're going to call someone their disciple, that that person can carry on what they could do because their legacy was wrapped up in the people that they said, come follow me too. It wasn't an open invitation. Some only had five, some had several, but some were very select. All of them were select in the people that they have. And what's remarkable is Jesus selects a diverse group of ordinary working people to be his disciples. A group of ordinary people to be disciples. And simply saying, by saying, come follow me, he is saying, I want you to know and do what I do. Church, do you hear the invitation of Jesus to say, I want you to come and know and do what I do? That's what we're called to be as a church. That's what we're stepping into as a new season. And before you let yourself think, you know, this is nice for those ordinary guys, and this is Bible times, and so there's, of course, going to be these people, but this doesn't apply to me. It doesn't include me. Jesus left his disciples with this commission that we also know, and we built our church around. This is all authority on heaven and earth in Matthew 28, 18 through 28. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and what? Make disciples. Of who? All nations. Jesus didn't say, go get followers. Jesus didn't say, go get likes. Jesus didn't say, go get a bunch of like, uh, good reviews on like, Yelp or something about how great discipleship is. I mean, he didn't say anything. That was a weird example. I don't know. That's what happens when I go off script, guys. I don't know. But the, Jesus didn't say, go get those things. He said, go and make disciples. He didn't even say, go build a church. He said, go and make disciples. And so this call to be a disciple wasn't just limited to the 12. 
I, I confess, sometimes I read the stuff of the 12, and I'm like, that was for them because they're like the heroes of the Bible. They were the disciples that Jesus called to be with them. But when he realized that Jesus wanted those disciples to make disciples who in turn make disciples, that that was supposed to pass on year after year, generation after generation, to where we are standing now. And we are here because of the faithful people who said yes to discipleship. And God is doing great things through them, and he wants to do the same thing through us. And the call is simply for you too. Have you heard Jesus' invitation to do what he does and to know what he does? Is, is church something that we kind of do because we've just kind of gotten in a rhythm? And I confess that's something that happens for me too. There's like, I don't think any shame in that. It's just kind of part of life. But part of this new season invitation for us is to say yes. You know what, God? I want to be more than just sitting at a church, but I want to be a part of your activity I want to say yes to your call. I want to know that you actually believe that me, an ordinary person living in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, can actually be a part of your divine activity, doing the things that you do and actually learning how to know what you know. Um, this call is for everybody, and it's for you. Part of being in a new season is to make that personal. Now, I think a couple things we need to remember and keep in front of us about what it meant to be a disciple. I think we have this on the screen, is one, is that they would have wanted to be with their rabbi. When Jesus said, come, he said, come. He was actually asking them to leave where they were. It was actually to leave and go somewhere else. Come. It was a call, saying, I want you to be with me. And if you were a disciple, one of the greatest things in the world was to be able to hang out with your rabbi. Think of the people that you admire most, the people that you look up to the most, the people that maybe even you follow on Instagram or TikTok, influencers. You're like, man, it'd be so cool to spend a day with that person. This is the God of the universe inviting us. And again, I confess that sometimes after hearing it for a while, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's just what I do. This is what I do. And I lose sight of just how incredible it is that he is inviting me to be with him. So it's first they want to be with the rabbi. Second is that they want to become like their rabbi. A disciple didn't just simply want to hang out with their, their rabbi. They looked up to them as role models for life. Do you look at Jesus as a role model for your life? When you look at Jesus, do you say, okay, like, I mean, we look at the teachings sometimes, some of the epistles and those other things, but when you look at the life of Jesus, is he your primary role model for how you want to live and spend your daily activity? You want to become like their rabbi. And then third, they want to, be, they want to do what their rabbi did. Like, this is something that was simple. Like, a disciple was kind of like an apprentice. And so to be an apprentice to somebody and walk away with all the skill set is not really being an apprentice at all. It's just sort of following somebody and watching somebody with first some trivia. But a disciple said, I'm going to follow you, not just because I like you and I think you're cool, and not just because I want to kind of hang out and have the same mindset as you, but I actually want to be able to do what you do. How often do we come to church with the mindset of saying, Jesus, I'm coming today because I'm going to learn how to do what you do. And when I leave this place, I'm going to put it into practice because there are things that you've called me to be a part of. I want to find the joy of doing what Jesus did and so this becomes our frame of reference for a new season that we're invited into. Um, and it's to answer and personalize that invitation to come and be his disciple. And that together as a church, we would do it by doing these three words. Um, Zach shared it in the announcements. Be, become, 
and do. Now, we're going to hear these probably more than you're ever going to want to hear for this next year. And that's okay. It's by design because we want this to be ingrained in who we are. So it's not just something that we put on a, on a bumper sticker, not something we just put on a wall, but this is something that we've said yes to for how we orient our lives. And so it's real simple. Let's just try saying it out loud because it's fun to say things out loud sometimes. Everyone's just say, be, become, do. All right, now it's not that hard. So everyone close your, close your eyes. Don't look at the screen. No cheating. Let's see if we can say it again. Ready? Wow, you just, you just did it. I even heard a little bit of sass in some of the voices out there, but thank you. That's okay. Be, become, do. And uh, we want to be able to do that as a church. Next slide, Pete, is we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. We want to do what Jesus did. And the first invitation is simply to be with Jesus. Again, uh, when Jesus appointed in Mark 3, 14, we see his, his call to the disciples to actually become disciples. Now, he said disciples. Now, he's calling them for some special activity. And it says when he appointed the 12, these are the ones that we often talk about, when he appointed the 12, that they might be with him um, and that they might be sent out to preach uh, and to have authority to drive out demons. When Jesus appointed the 12, when he appoints his disciples, he first appoints them to be with him. Being with Jesus precedes divine activity and the work of Jesus. Um, I get that backwards. A lot of times I do work to get to Jesus, or I do things for Jesus so I can fill up my life with Christian activity, but the invitation for Jesus is to learn how to be with Jesus. And as a doer, as a busy person, as someone who has a hard time sitting still, that is really hard for me. It's really difficult, but man, the times that I've learned how to sit and be with Jesus have been some of the most profound times in my life. Um, Jesus seems to welcome it, too. Jesus actually wants to hang out with you. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus kind of likes you. I know we kind of giggle a little bit when we say it, but it's true. Jesus actually likes you, and Jesus wants to hang out with you. What? That's really cool. I mean, I just, you should like, sometimes just blow your mind like how simple it is, but how amazing it is that the God of the universe is like, hey, I want you, and I want you to follow me. And not just because I'm, you're going to do work, and you're going to prove your worth, and you're going to do great things, and it's going to be a climb, but I actually like you. He loves you, and I like you. Now, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people I can say love, but I don't actually like. But Jesus says, I love you, and I like you, and I want to be with you. And he seems to welcome just us being with him. Now, sometimes I feel like when I get together in God's word, I have to somehow like make like a devotion out of it. It's got to be a study. I come up with this like plan and, and all this stuff. And I just sometimes wonder if God's like, just right here. How many times have I think I've even gone into prayer sessions and I prayed my heart out for God, but I kind of prayed like he wasn't even in the room. He's like, I'm right here. Like just being with God and actually knowing how to be with him in his presence is something I think just is life-changing and something I have a long way to grow. Luke chapter 10 familiar passage again. Um, this is like Review 101, guys. You guys are all smart. I know that. Like, but this is, this is good stuff. So Luke chapter 10, Jesus was doing some great stuff with his disciples. I mean, they were just on this journey. I mean, things were happening. The disciples were doing just what Jesus had called them to do. And they go to the, uh, this, this person's house, someone who's near and dear to Jesus' heart. And it says, as the disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha had opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. That's it. Simple as that. She wasn't doing anything. She wasn't talking. She wasn't preaching. She didn't even seem to have much to say or offer. She was just sitting at the Lord's feet. 
This is remarkable for so many levels. One is that Jesus would allow her to have the same status in a very male-driven culture at that time was revolutionary. And that Jesus would delight in having someone be there. And not to have to be the smartest, um, I was going to say the smartest crayon in the drawer. I was mixing up analogies, but you know what I'm trying to say. Not the brightest cookie in the, no. Uh, you get sharpest light in the, yeah. She wasn't any of those things necessarily. And she didn't have to be. Jesus just loved having her there. But then Martha comes in with this familiar moment, and so many of us have identified with her and said she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Let's just stop there. We get worried and upset about many things. How many of you find yourself awake in the middle of the night, worried and upset about many things? I'll be the first to admit it. And at 3 o'clock, 4.30 seems to be around the two times, and that's, it's like all of a sudden like my heart starts pounding and I start getting worried about many things. And even when I come to the Lord in prayer, I think I come to the Lord much more like Martha saying, Lord, don't you care? Don't you see these things need to get taken care of? Don't you think some things should get tended to in my life? I'm not sure where things are going to think. I don't have time to stop and sit. It'd be nice. Everyone else gets to have devotional life with you, but I'm busy and I'm worried and I have to get this stuff done. God, can you just get to the activity with me? And he says, many things are needed. I'm sorry, many things, or you're worried about, upset about many things, but few things are needed. God cares about what you need, and we have to trust him in that. And he says, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. God wants you to just be with him, and he doesn't want anything to take that away from you. Do you believe that? For some of us, I think our starting point in a new season is just to remember, God, you actually want to be with me, and you've invited me just to be with you. Before we fill up ourselves with Christian activity or godly work or the work of prayer, you're just called to be with him first, the God of the universe and just speaking for myself, I need this. Um, because if I'm honest, as I shared, it's one of the hardest things for me to do. I resonate with the checklist, the activity, all the boxes to check off, it feels good. Um, but here's the reality is activity alone is a terrible trade-off for intimacy. We can have activity with God, but man, it's a terrible trade-off for intimacy with the Father. This new season, what would it look like as a church if we could say together we are intimate with the Father? When I learn how to be with Jesus, when I learn how to take myself off the throne and give him his rightful place, it's when I learn to be still and know that he is God. And I, learn to, I, I learn to fight that gravity in my own life to make me the center of the universe. And listen, that's a good thing because when I'm the center of the universe, I have an entire universe to manage. When I'm the center of the universe, everything is about me and everything becomes personal and everything becomes offensive and everything becomes something for me to take care of. But when I take myself off the throne and give him his rightful place, I start to have a new perspective that frees me up. Instead of coming to Jesus just as a divine problem solver, I'm always like, God, I'm in trouble again. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem, it's me. Uh, that song's gonna be stuck in my head all morning now. Sorry, if you didn't know it. <laughs> But 
Um, when I make him the center, when I sit and just be with him, I get new perspective and I find new freedom to be aware of other people, aware of myself, aware of how I'm feeling, aware of the tugs on my heart. And this is hard to do because we are so addicted to sensory things, especially our screens. Um, we're addicted to swipes and addicted to content, and it's getting smarter and smarter about how to keep our attention longer and longer with fewer and fewer things that actually matter. And we could try to curb it with even giving ourselves the most godly feed in the world, and we could swipe all these great quotes and all these other things, but they pale in comparison to connecting with the God of the universe. I think sometimes we become unaware of as to how many of those things are forming us on the inside. In a lot of ways, we're being formed more by a light on a screen than we are being shaped by the light of the world. We need to learn how to sit with Jesus and take him at his word. He's invited us. He wants it. Ian uh, Simkins has a simple but powerful suggestion to get started in your day. If you're looking at like, okay, I want to be with Jesus, it's my starting point. By the way, we're going to be talking about this all year. We're going to start unpacking all these concepts. But just as a starting point, if you're like, hey, I like that. I need to do that. How do I get started? How do I get less distracted? Every morning, do this. Scripture before screens, prayer before posts, meditation before media. If you sleep with your phone in your room, um, take it out of your room. Put it outside. Think for us, I, I confess, I sleep with my phone next to me, and so the first thing I do is turn my alarm off, and just before I know it, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on the latest news channel. I'm, a, I'm reading the, my, my little daily briefing that I follow. It's just all these little things I look at. Before I know it, 15 minutes of my morning have gone by, and I've been shaped by the world's agenda for my life instead of listening to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and letting him shape and form me. And so for some of us, maybe it's just getting an alarm clock getting rid of that phone out of your room, and just waking up and saying, okay, Lord, before the world pulls me into all those other things, it's not going to go away right away, but I just want to start by saying scripture before screens, prayer before posts, meditation before media. Anyway, it's just an idea for you. Um, so if this year is going to be a year of living the way, uh, we need to recognize he intentionally cultivated a relationship with his father by spending time with him. And if we want to follow his way, we've got to take him at his word and do the same. So, a disciple's first desire is to be with Jesus, but we know it doesn't stop there because you saw the notes ahead of time. You know there's more coming. Um, and so a disciple isn't just to be with Jesus, but actually become like Jesus. A disciple wanted to become like their rabbi. And this is so much more comprehensive than simply just saying, I want to know things about my rabbi and actually know the lessons that he teaches and taught. But a, a person that was a following a rabbi actually wanted to live the lifestyle in the manner that their, their rabbi lived. It was like actually following him, doing life with him, watching everything that they did. Um, the truth is, is, discipleship isn't really a new thing, um, and it's not strictly a Christian thing. It's a human thing. We are always being shaped. None of us are born a fully actualized human being. If we did, that'd be really creepy. Hey, Mom, how's it going? I'm going to go hang out with the guys and uh, get a uh, soda, and I'll come back and say, thanks for giving birth to me. I'd just be like, whoa, what just happened? You know, like, we grow, and we're constantly being nurtured, and we're constantly being shaped, we're constantly being spoken into. Um, this is constantly happening. So it's not a matter of if you're being shaped. This is important to remember. It's not a matter of if you're being shaped. It's a matter of who or what is shaping you. Who or what is shaping you? We become what we give attention to. We become what we spend time with the most. We become what we think about 
the most. We become what we let become habit in our lives. We become what we would ponder and dream about the most. And so naturally, the outcome of being with Jesus should be forming Jesus in us. The goal of the Christian life is to have Jesus formed in us. And I know we know this, but we have a ways to go. And as we step into a new season, we say yes to this process in our lives. Second Corinthians 3.18 says this. Paul, I love this chapter, by the way. It's fantastic. It's referring to Moses and the great experience that Moses had while meeting with God on Mount Sinai. And when Moses came down, he was glowing. He was beaming um, with just the Lord, so much so that it kind of freaked people out. How many of you guys are just so excited about Jesus? You freak people out a little bit? Any of you guys? You're like, I just, whoo, that was a great prayer time. And you're like, whoa, dial it back. I don't know. That's, <laughs> um, we just don't know what to do with that kind of energy sometimes. But like Moses was literally glowing. Like he was like a light bright for everyone. I mean, just, just, just everyone could see him. And so um, he says, and he's referring now to us who have this, this access to the Father and, and Jesus, through, uh, access to the Father through Jesus. And so he says, now we... With unveiled faces, oh, by the way, he had to put a veil on his face because people are like, I, just, I can't look at you, you're too freaky. Um, so we, with unveiled faces, contemplate the glory, the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Uh, Jesus' image, we are being transformed into Jesus' image with ever-increasing glory, uh, which comes the, uh, from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our goal is to have Jesus formed in us, so much so that we are with unveiled faces, um, contemplate the glory of the Lord and are actually transformed. This has a lot to do with our attitudes, our behavior, our identity, how we respond to things emotionally, the internal dialogue that we deal with in our mind. All those things are wrapped up into what it means to become more like Jesus. Do we think like Jesus? Do we have a heart towards other people like Jesus? For us to step into a new season, to become more like Jesus, we need to look at how Jesus loved, how Jesus gave attention to other people, how he handled pressure, how Jesus resisted temptation, how Jesus prayed, how Jesus felt assured by the love of the Father, how Jesus used his time, how Jesus invested in other people, and how Jesus used, lived out his priorities. And at the risk of sounding a little unspiritual, I think I sometimes spiritualize a lot of things I see Jesus do, and I turn it into analogy, and before I do it, it becomes inaccessible to my life. But the scriptures and the gospels are so clear and so practical um, for the day-to-day implications of Jesus' life. If we just stop, slow down, and read the gospels, I think we'd grow a lot. If you've never read a gospel, cover to cover, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, pick one, and just begin reading it. And I suggest reading it all the way through, and look at how Jesus lived and start asking yourself, what would it look like if my life were to be like that? How did Jesus respond to all those things? Do I respond to the same kind of things in my life in the same way that Jesus did? Um, because a disciple doesn't just want to be with their rabbi, they want to become like their rabbi in every aspect of their life. One of the greatest ways to grow in this, I think, is also with connected to the other people in the church. When you're up and close to watch other people grapple with life, um, I didn't know if, if John Martinez is here. I think Ethan is out, but uh, I was talking to them a little bit about jujitsu. Any, any jujitsu MMA people here? All right, this illustration is going to fall really flat then because I don't think I saw one hand go up. Um, but there's, it's one thing to know and study a martial art. It's a whole other thing to actually get in there and do it. 
And when you go to grapple with somebody else and you're actually doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, you learn a whole lot differently and you figure things a whole lot differently. And when you train with someone who's further along than you, you start to realize things that you could do in your training, in your body, that can actually give you a leg up on life and literally in jujitsu, a leg up on the person as you tackle them down. In a similar way in, in your life, like we, we have sort of a, a, a dojo of sorts as we come together as a church. There are people all around us, and how often do we miss out? Because we, we have our rhythm and we have the people we connect with, but God has entrusted us here with these people. And what would it look like if we start like actually inviting each other into one another's homes and going across the aisle and say, hey, we've never talked before. I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. And extending hospitality to one another so that people could see our lives up close and personal. For some of us, we have been doing these simple things for a long time, and we've seen the fruit and the benefit of our lives. Let's not keep that to ourselves, but let's invite people in and say, hey, you know what, one, come have coffee with me. Let's talk about life. I'm just going to make myself available. And you're like, well, this is just kind of weird. I've never done it before. It's okay. It's going to feel awkward. It'll feel weird. It's new. We're just going to just embrace it and do it. But I think if we can get up close and personal and actually watch how other people handle their emotions, handle stress, as a, Christ, as a Christ follower, we'll learn and we'll grow to become more like Jesus in the way that he does it because we get to see him at work through us. But as you all know, this isn't the end because all these things would not be complete unless we learn how to do what the rabbi does because all these things are, are, are important, but they ultimately lead to the purpose and the, per, the whole direction and the reason the rabbi was teaching in the first place is to carry on that legacy to do what the rabbi does, to be able to tell other people what the rabbi knows and to help other people become like the rabbi was. So for us as a church, we, we want to learn this whole, this whole year we're going to be spending some time just on being with Jesus. And as a church, we're going to be creating more opportunities and resources for us to learn how to become like Jesus together. But ultimately as a church, we want to get creative and begin dreaming about how can we start doing what the rabbi did and, and actually do the activity of Jesus in here and beyond these walls. And early disciples would have seen themselves like an apprentice, like a, a plumber or someone in the union or the trades. And you know fully well that if you're an apprentice in the trade, you don't just go there so that you can learn the tools and the definitions, but you go there because you want to take on that trade and learn that skill set. And you also know that you don't just magically graduate and there's like this, boom, ding, you get this little wand and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know how to plumb now. Uh, that is the verb, by the way. That, I, guess I didn't realize it, but you're plumbing and you plumb. But anyways, so boom, ding, you get a wand waved over you, and all of a sudden, hey, I know how to plumb now. This is fantastic. No, you actually learn while you're an apprentice. So no matter what stage you are in your journey, you all have things you can begin doing as we apply the work of, of Jesus, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and so it's, it's important for us to know what Jesus did and to do what Jesus did with others. In Luke chapter 9, we find Jesus sending out the 12, and they do what he did. And then Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72, and the results are the same. The followers of Jesus were out there uh, doing the same work of Jesus. And this is incredible. But then we build ourselves up to John 14. And what's even crazier is that because he dwells in us, that we actually get to be a part of Jesus' plan to do greater things for the world. John 14, 12 says this. I tell you very I, I, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This blows my mind. 
And I have my hard time getting my head around it, that somehow because of the indwelling Holy Spirit and me saying yes in my meager, small ways, I'm a part of God's bigger plan for the world to do greater things than he could do if he was just in one location at one time. So every time you say yes to an opportunity to serve, to give of your time, treasure, and talent, you are doing a greater thing. Every time you put the needs of others before your own, you are doing a greater thing. Every time you care for the love, uh, care for and love those who could never repay you in return, you are doing a greater thing. Every time you open up your home and hospitality to others, and reach across the aisle and say, hey, I'm here and make yourself available, Every time you encourage somebody with a word of this, of, from God's word, you are doing a greater thing. Every time you set aside your flesh to say yes to righteousness, you're doing a greater thing. And every time you share the hope of Jesus with someone else and what you're learning and how you're growing and how he changes everything, you are doing a greater thing. And it's that incredible opportunity that happens when we gather together here, that we get to see the divine activity at work as those things take place in our walls. Remember, it's never just another Sunday. It's never just another Sunday because together God's people have gathered. And God is at work in us. And when we're out there in the atrium and we're talking with one another, we're making ourselves available, we're taking risks, God's activity is taking place in here. And we leave changed. And as we go from this place changed, and we say yes to doing the activity of God outside these walls, people's lives change. And then we bring those stories back to this place. And we say, oh my gosh, I, I, I said yes to doing this and I never thought anything would happen of it. And all of a sudden I saw God work in ways I never even thought possible. What? And then we get encouraged. And then the cycle just continues and it grows and it builds. How great would it be for this new season for us to say yes, to say together as a church, we, this group of people, for such a time as this, would say yes to doing the things that Jesus did together. Not as Han Solo's out there and solo Christians doing our own thing, but together, side by side, arm in arm. So where do we go from here? We say yes. We say yes to a new season. We don't expect to get it all figured out, because we won't. We're going to make mistakes, and as the year goes on, we're going to try stuff. There's going to be parts where maybe it feels really great, and other times we feel kind of distant and far, and that's okay. Just stick with it. Stick with us. Stick together. Because as we fail, we'll fail forward. As we grow, we'll grow together. As we figure this out, we'll figure it out together. Because we want to all be in on this. There's a poet, Annie Dillard, and she says this so well. It's how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What if we spent every day waking up saying yes to the potential to be with the creator of the universe so he can form Christ in us so that we could do the activity that Jesus did every day. Let's get stretched. Let's take time. Let's take risks. Let's get embarrassed. Let's fail. Let's admit what we don't know. Let's actually share where we need help. So that those things can start to take root in us and change us and practice the way of Jesus. And our first step together as a church, because we're going to be doing this over the course of the year, is over this next semester, over the next several months, we're going to just be focusing on the first word, be. And you're going to be hearing a lot, the invitation just to be with Jesus. And what does it look like to reorient our lives so that we know how to be with Jesus? And we know this isn't just a one-time message. This isn't a one-time lesson, but this is something that we actually 
have to have a skill to learn. We know that's true in relationships with one another. We have to learn how to be intentional and take that time. As a church, we want to do that together. Um, and so more than just a program, um, we want to have small groups of communities gathering, learning how to practice being with Jesus and practice his ways. And so we've started new season small groups that we love every one of us to be a part of. These are so great. We don't want any of you missing out. Um, my wife and I were a part of a pilot one, and it has shifted and changed us, and I think we've only begun to experience the work that was started in those small groups. And to share a little bit more about that um, is Josh Weaver. Hi. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I get, I get the great privilege of talking about this all the time because part of my responsibilities is to administrate this, but you need to know this isn't Josh's project or Josh's idea. Um, it comes from our leadership, uh, our senior leadership, Pastor Pat, Eric, Mike, and I have been working on this for a long time. Our boards have been talking about it. We've had an, an initiative in place to develop a discipleship strategy here at Moraine. And so there's been a ton of work that has gone into this, this moment that we're coming up to right now. And it's not just me, so you just need to hear that. But this is an opportunity for us to own our own discipleship journeys. And we're inviting you, we're asking you to step in with us and, and just do a short-term small group that meets four times before Easter. Um, four times. So if you're like, I cannot wait. I love small groups. I've been waiting to get in one. This is a great opportunity for that. Some of you I know are like, oh, small groups. Yay. Not my favorite thing. But it's only four times. And I would invite you to uh, like put aside any of that and step into what we're doing as a whole church together. Uh, now, I've got to be in two of these groups, and this idea of Sabbath and being with Jesus and ordering my life around uh, being with Jesus, for me, is like a, a, personally, it's just like a four-year conversation. And so I would just say, I am no pro at this at all. The people who are going to be doing, like, leading us in the videos, they've been practicing it for 15 years. And we're going to, like, benefit from their experience as they share with us. Um, one of the, the, my favorite parts of this, though, is that the invitation is for you and your household to own this, like, as you see fit. So this isn't like a, everyone do it exactly this way because this is the right way and... At the end of this, you're going to be Sabbath pros. You're going to be disciple pros. You're going to walk with Jesus like no one else. <laughs> this is just simply going to give us a lot of handles to start a conversation in our own soul with our own spouse and our own household. Or maybe as a young professional, you're owning your own rhythm with Jesus as a young adult, for, you know, apart from your family, then even this is an opportunity for us to step into that conversation with Jesus and take literal steps towards organizing, ordering our life, asking questions, giving thought to it, and saying, okay, well, what does it look like for me in this crazy culture that we live in that's fighting 
for my attention and my heart and my passionate pursuits, my loves, my affections, my desires. The world is competing for what Jesus wants. And it's us, us just being willing to say, okay, Jesus, I'm willing to have this conversation. What's the next step for us? What does it look like for us? And there's a lot of freedom. So there's a lot of great handles, a lot of great information. The study is really, really good. I've done it two times. I still stink at Sabbath. I'm trying to practice it. I'm, gonna, I'm excited to go through this a third time. And for me, it's not even about Sabbath. It's not about that practice. It's literally about knowing Jesus. And I've learned, and I'm learning. It's so simple, guys. But like, I'm a, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a restless person. Um, Mike mentioned ADD. I have ADD. I'm a, rest, I'm a person who is never at rest within myself completely. And there's only one person that can give me rest. And it's Jesus. And it sounds so simple, but I can go weeks doing things for Jesus and not knowing how to cultivate in my own life a place of stillness to know him. That's all this is. It's an invitation into that. So, um, a couple of questions that you might have. Do, it, I'm already in a small group. Do I need to sign up for this? Yes. We've, we've invited all our small groups to pause for this. Please sign up at the table. Um, when I sign up, um, how do I sign up? Well, you can sign up in the atrium. Uh, there'll be a few people, our team, right around, right over here in the atrium. You can sign up right there with us. Um, or you can take a card home. Um, we'll have cards with a QR code on, and you can sign up digitally. Signups are open for two weeks, from this Sunday to the Sunday two weeks from now. So you sign up in those two weeks. And then groups, we'll get you into groups, and we'll organize that. And that, those groups will meet after the Super Bowl, right? Not on Super Bowl Sunday. So don't worry, you're not going to have to miss the Super Bowl. I know we're Americans, okay? So you, you won't miss the Super Bowl, but then you'll be with Jesus. And then uh, four times before Easter. So it's just four meetings through Easter. And you're like, well, how are you going to get us into groups? Well, really simply, um, we don't exactly know, but we know this. We have 24 host homes. 24 people in our church said, yes, I want to open my home. I want to make a space so that our church can go through this together. There is enough space for everyone, which is excellent and exciting. Um, but um, there's a lot of homes that are, are great. They have opportunities for you can bring your kids with you if you want. Uh, there's, there's going to be four different age groups. There's a lot of of the sign-up revolving around kids. We want to get as much information as we can from you because we want to get you in the right kind of group. So there'll be groups where your kids have a safe place to, to play. Some of you, some of you who are like, hey, I love my kids, but I want to get a babysitter and leave them at home and not see them for a little while. That's totally fine to you. There'll be groups like that. Some of you are like, I am 80. I don't want to bring my kids because they live in another state. That's fine too. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're 19 or 18 or if you're 80 because we all have something to share about this conversation, and we can all learn from one another in this. This is for everyone. Um, I'm really excited about the leaders and the host homes that we have. I think this is going to be a beautiful thing. I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. So today you can sign up. 
If you're a young family and you're like, hey, I need to talk about this with my family, uh, our good brother Ken Mels is running security out here. He's the tall blonde guy. He'll have cards. You can just take grab a card when you pick up your kid if you want to sign up online or go through the form. Um, but I would encourage you, come out to the table if you have questions. I'll be out there. Uh, several of us will be out there to talk to you. Um, I'm really excited to see what God does in our church if we are all willing. It, it, the sacrifice is just a little time. But if we're willing to give a little time together, a little of our normal routine up, and just say, okay, Jesus, what's next? And what if we, at the end of, like we come into Easter season knowing Jesus better than we ever have before? Less anxiety than we've ever had before. More joy than we've ever had before. More connection in our church than we've ever had before. That's a good thing. So I invite you to step in. Jump in with us if you have questions. Um, I'll be out there. So will many others. Feel free to ask them. But let's sing. Um, before we sing, I think Mike's going to pray. I messed that up. Um, but... Why don't we stand for prayer, and uh, I'll let Mike lead us in that. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, okay. We got plenty of time. Hey, I know sometimes the music starts playing, and I start to kind of get like in this like little like zone where I'm kind of like, uh, but I want us to be excited because God has great things for us as we say yes to him. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I hope, oh, there was like no one there. We're still stretching it out there. But do you believe that God has good things for you? Do you believe that Jesus actually wants to be with you and meet with you? And that as we do, he forms us in us and he, he starts to change us and he changes our communities and we can change the world. So let's say yes to those things together in faith. Let's go where he leads us. Can you just close your eyes for just a quick moment? We've got busyness and we've got activity and we have things that pull us away from the activity that God is inviting us into. We're busy. The disciples were busy. They were doing their work. They were doing their trade. And Jesus found them in the midst of their work when he disrupted them with this call. Now, could you just put yourself on the boat in the middle of just doing whatever you're doing and you hear Jesus say, come, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let's say yes to that call of discipleship. Let's renew our passion and commitment to those things together. Would you pray? Jesus, we want to go where you lead us. We want to follow you where you take us. God, would you give us the courage to go to those places? Would we just be amazed that the God of the universe wants to spend time with us? Lord, would it, would it shatter our insecurities? Would it shatter our doubts? Would it shatter our depression? Would it shatter the places that we feel aimless because the God of the universe isn't so busy doing other things that we're lost, but you see us and you attend to us and you invite us to just be with you? Would we be like Mary at your feet, just delighting at who you are so that we can come like you, Lord? Would you form yourself in us? As we glory in you, would you form Jesus in our attitudes, in our thoughts, in our livelihood, in the way that we spend our time, our treasure, and our talents? Would they all look and feel like Jesus, Lord, so that in the end of the day, that together Moraine Valley Church in this new season would say yes to doing the things of Jesus, 
stepping into hard places, enduring when it's difficult, uh, saying yes to sharing you when it's awkward, opening our houses and, and even taking risks and getting to know new people, that we'd say yes to you and the things that you're calling us to. And we say this in Jesus' amazing, invitational name. Amen.